Hey, welcome to the Forward by Faith broadcast. I'm excited that you're here. We're on the way into the sanctuary because we believe that the Lord has a word for us. Come on in and let's see what God has for us. Not looking back, I press into a higher place, no longer will I be deceived by the enemy. I'm moving forward, 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 yeah. I'm walking in my destiny to be all that. I'm moving, forward, yeah. Forward, Speak to the It appears that somebody in here needs some help.
Better yet, somebody has gotten some help. So those of us who need some help, let's just shout, help! Now turn to your brother, your sister, and say, your help comes from the Lord. And it's on the way. Now say, self, my help, my help comes from the Lord. And it's already here. Now give God praise for help. Praise for all the singers and players of instruments. All those who make the ministry go forward. Our wonderful ushers, sound people, everybody, security, everybody. Give God praise for each other. The children of the living God. The original children of the living God. I thank God for my queen. For my mother-in-law, for a wonderful agent and creator of being human. Hey, Stephanie Scott up there. Hey there. I thank God for you. We empty nesters now. Got the youngest one off the school. Now we can be like Adam and Eve, run around the house butt naked with no shame. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a... I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> Let me get to the word. <laughs> God, we thank you. For your joy is our strength. We thank you for all of the circles and the cycles, the journey of life. We thank you that even when that journey is over, we can still have joy. And in the midst of it, God, you lead us, you guide us, and you give us a word so that while we're here, we can live it to the max. 
we can make the most out of it and we can bear fruit in our lives for ourselves but more importantly for everybody we thank you for the privilege of worship the joy of serving and the power of coming together in your name and we praise you God simply because the blessings have already come down so our praises go up we love you Lord but you first loved us hallelujah send your word God send your word and perform it in our lives you take over Holy Spirit because it's all about you in the name of Jesus amen 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 you may be seated amen Genesis 1 chapter 1 verse 27 I'm gonna read some of the passages that that wonderful young give that young man uh, some some love he read that thing 1 and 27 so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created them him male and female he created them God blessed them and said to them be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground God saw all he had made verse 31 and it was very good chapter 2 verse 7 the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the bread of life and the man became a living being in the King James Version a living soul now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed and God the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge say the knowledge of good and evil verse 15 the Lord God took the man Put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, say to work it, and to take care of it, say to take care of it. The Word of God. Pray with me. God wants you to know that you were made to take territory. Uh, we're still taking territory in 2023. You are made to take territory territory you were created for the purpose of taking territory you are designed to take territory you are equipped to take territory so let your sister or brother next to you know that at the beginning of the ninth month it's not too late to take territory in 2023 Tell them, take territory. Encourage yourself in the Lord that as the season of summer ends and fall begins, self, it's time to take territory in 2023. 
The first thing the Bible tells us about God is that God is creator of the universe. After 2,600 years of discovery since these scriptures were written, now that we have launched telescopes on space probes and discovered countless other worlds, we know that our universe is more vast and mind-blowing than we knew then. We've taken territory into deep space and discovered that the same raw materials that God used to make stars, God used to make you because you were designed, equipped, and purpose, purposed for taking territory. God is creator of the complex miracle of the universe and the complex miracle of you. Then the Bible says God creates the earth and all the living wonders the earth's territory contains. Then God creates us, humans, male and female alike, and all our complexities and miraculous possibilities. In God's image, according to God's likeness, and God gives us an assignment. Take territory, subdue territory, cultivate and take care of territory. Take, cultivate and take care and subdue the territory of the living planet. And God said, we good. Tell your brother, sister, we good. Tell yourself, God says, I be good. I know I'm, not, I'm from the hood, so I'm a nerd, but I'm a hood nerd. That's Genesis 1. In Genesis chapter 2 and 3, the Bible tells the story of us, the story of who we are in relationship with the Creator. Because we ain't nothing out of relationship with the Creator. We become living, walking, talking, stinking, thinking, dry death outside of relationship with our Creator. We live because of God's love. Aren't you get glad, therefore, that the Bible tells us in Romans 8 and 38 that nothing, not even death and dead places in our lives can separate us from the love of the Creator? The Bible tells the story of us, the story of identity, our identity in relationship with God who gives us our identity. Our identity is God's image. Our identity is God's likeness. Our identity is divine possibilities. Our identity is godly compassion. Our identity is God's will. Our identity is grounded in faith, trust, and hope in God who made us and knows us. Our identity is shaped by God's love for us. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 1, therefore, Ephesians 5 and 1, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. That's why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. Be reconciled to God so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Say, I am the righteousness of God. Tell your brother, sister, you are the righteousness of God. 
When we run away from God, hide from God, reject the way of God, we suffer what is known as an identity crisis, which causes us to get stupid, self-defeating, and self-destructive with ourselves, with each other, with our communities, and with the earth. And very often, our greatest battle is to claim our identity and our definition. Our greatest territorial battle, the one that leads to victory in all our battles, is to claim our image, the image of God for our day-to-day, moment-to-moment, thought-to-thought, internal and external, individual and relational lives. In other words, the key to taking territory is to take territory over ourselves. Taking territory over ourselves for life. Taking territory over ourselves for love. Taking territory over ourselves to make us better humans and better communities, a better nation and a better world taking territory over ourselves for God to do God's work and exercise God's will through us. The Bible says God formed man out of the soil of the earth. That's what the story, that's what it means in Genesis when it, uh, 2 and 7 when it says from the dust of the ground, God formed us out of the soil of the earth. The soil of the earth carried everything it needed to create a functional body. The soil had everything it needed to create organic life. But the soil by itself wasn't enough to make a man. The soil and the ground by itself wasn't enough to make us human. So in verse, in chapter 2, 7, the Lord formed a man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and the man became a living soul. Then God puts the man in the garden to work it and take care of it, to take territory over it by working it and taking care of it. Brothers, you were made, assigned, and equipped to take territory by working it and taking care of it. Not to chill in it, not to try to escape from it, not to retire into it, not to wreck it and destroy it and each other from the frustration that we all feel sometimes. Not to own it, not to exploit it, but to take territory in this world, to work it, and take care of it, but not alone. Wasn't good for the human to be alone because in God's original design, male and female alike was a human created in God's image according to his likeness. Male and female alike were we created in God's character according to his purpose. So God puts the incomplete human Adam to sleep 
and extracts human material from Adam. The Bible calls it a rib. And, and this is a better sense of the word from the Hebrew, and builds Eve. <laughs> and he did a great job, I think. You, I, think he, I think he did it. I think he did a good job. Anyway, okay, I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> and when the man wakes up from God's anesthesia and beholds the completion of his humanity in Eve, for the first time, he says something. For the first time, the man speaks. And the first word the man ever says is a love poem to the woman. This, verse 23, is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man, which makes us one. So here they are, this newly made man and woman, butt naked, don't even know it about it, don't know what to do about it, <laughs> working in this little garden and then the serpent comes shows up let's take a moment please and look non-judgmentally at Adam and Eve it wasn't until New Testament times 600 or so years later after this was written by the Hebrews during their Babylonian exile when they really began to identify the serpent as Satan. Understanding grows over time. Amen? So Adam and Eve didn't see Satan. They saw a snake with legs talking I know it was a garden <laughs> I don't think they learned how to smoke some of them plants yet but this is what they saw but apparently in this garden they didn't see anything unusual about a walking snake with the gift for gab so Genesis 3 begins with this conversation between the serpent and the humans. God had told them that they were free to eat any tree of the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, in the world God was preparing them for, the humanity that God created them to be, if our knowledge can hunger for evil as well as good, then many humans will choose evil. God knew this. They'll choose violence. They'll choose empires and wars of conquest. They'll choose power and greed and exploitation and enslavement and genocide and God's children will suffer and they will struggle even harder to overcome themselves. So don't mess, God says, with that fruit from that tree. Everything else, just not that fruit from that tree. But the Bible says this serpent is clever. He understands that 
built into human nature, into our nature, is the desire for more. He understands that the only thing that stands between heaven and hell, death and life for the human is what do you want more of? And you know how we do. The one thing we can't have is the one thing we gotta have. The one thing we want the most. The thing, one thing, that that thing that we can't afford is the one thing we bankrupt ourselves to get. <laughs> that Adam or that Eve who is forbidden to us is the one that we determined to get with. I'm not talking about y'all, I'm talking about some other folk out there. God gave them all the fruit of the garden territory, but the man and the woman agree with the serpent about the fruit they can't have. Oh, verse 3 and 7, Genesis 3, 6 and 7, sorry, Genesis 3, 6 and 7, the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, <laughs> who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Please note, because Adam was a silent partner, doesn't make him any less of a partner. I mean, the only thing Adam has said so far is a love, short love poem to his queen. I mean, maybe that's all brother had to say. <laughs> maybe dude just didn't talk much. I don't know. But what we do know is that they were in that thing together then, just like we all in this thing together now. So beginning verse 8, Genesis 3, beginning verse 8, the Lord shows up. The man and the woman hide from the Lord, ashamed of their newly discovered nakedness. The Lord confronts Adam. Adam blames Eve. Adam blames God for giving him Eve. Eve blames the serpent. <laughs> you know when the blame game starts, you know the enemy's got to, well, he ain't won the war, but he won that battle. And a different, more profound state of death enters the human experience. The death that comes from shame and blame so profound that we attempt to hide from God the strength of our lives. The death that comes from the divorce of faith and trust in God and each other. The death that comes from wanting more of what God says is death to us than we want of what God says is life for us. This death is the soul death that God warns against in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 19 and 20. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. Blesses and curses. Now choose life. Say choose life. So that you and your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God. 
listen to his voice, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. Say, the Lord is my life. The story of Adam and Eve is the story of you and me. The possibilities and challenges of Adam and Eve is the story of you and me. The tragedy and triumph of Adam and Eve are the tragedies and triumphs that we live through every day. Because we all human. God told Adam and Eve and you and me to take territory over the earth and work it and care for it. But to take territory over the earth, we got to take territory over ourselves. So here's the problem. The problem is that we got breath in us. We are breath and we are soil. And we're always in this conversation between the breath and the soil. The breath wants to elevate the soil so that the soil can bear fruit. But the problem is where your soil is, that's where the serpent is. <laughs> Y'all got that? Y'all with me? Because the breath, the Holy Spirit is in you. But the serpent is right there in front of you. And so sometimes it's hard to see God working in your life. Sometimes it's hard to see the spirit moving in your life because it's living on the inside of you. But that serpent is right in front of your eyes. Put the stuff in front of you that's pleasing to the eyes. So the breath says to the soil, come to me. The serpent says, it don't take all that. The breath says, forgive. The serpent says, revenge. The breath says, I'll give you peace. The serpent says, here, take this sweet fruit of bitterness. The serpent says, the, 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 the breath says, I got you. The serpent says, you on your own, baby. The, the breath says, help somebody. The serpent says, it's all about me. The breath says, do what God created you to do. The serpent says, man, do what you feel. The breath says, take new territory. The serpent says, boy, you better hold on to what you got. The nature of the battle to take territory for God within ourselves is the battle between the breath and the snake. <laughs> on that happy point, <laughs> We come toward our conclusion to the main point. God knows your struggles. God knows your traumas. God knows your conflicts and contradictions. And God loves you anyhow. God loves me anyhow because God has more faith in you than you do in him.
God loves your potential. God loves your possibilities. God loves every time you do what God created uh, you to do. And nothing can separate you from that love. Look at what God does with Adam and Eve for the rest of Genesis chapter 3. First, God settles the matter by speaking consequences of their actions to all three parties involved. The serpent is cursed. He loses his legs and apparently can't talk no more. So the serpent becomes a snake. Parenthetically, that's not bad advice to how to handle your serpent. You know, you really, some, sometimes you really don't need to go through histrionics to cast him out in the name of God. You, sometimes you just need to not give him any legs to stand on. Keep him right there for the heel of your feet. Because the Bible says in Romans 16 and 20, the God of peace will shortly crush the serpent, Satan, under your feet. Just give it one stomp right there. Take away his legs, and he's right where you need him to be, under your feet. Oh, somebody needs to give praise right there that you got him. God took away his legs and put them under your feet. Takes away his legs, God does. And takes away his speech. So try this. Instead of doing super spiritual backflips, just tell him to shut the hell up. When he starts speaking death to you, shut him up. You have the power to shut him up. In the name of Jesus, shut up. To the woman, there were two consequences. You'll experience pain of childbirth, which, you know, makes sense since they didn't have no babies in the garden, given, you know, they was naked and unashamed and, you know, they didn't know what to do about it yet. So they, you know, so that makes sense, right? Okay. <laughs> they don't have any babies until they leave the garden. Okay. <laughs> and the other consequence, the more significant, well, not to be to lessen the significance of childbirth, but that... <laughs> We humans created male, female alike in God's image, both of us, would suffer patriarchy. The serpentine notion that women are supposed to be ruled by men opposed to God's design to be partners with men in doing what God created us to do. Brothers, it ain't good for us to be alone, so don't act like it. Like we gotta run our house alone. It's gotta be my way or the highway. That ain't what we was created for, brothers. We was created to partner with Eve. Eve, you were created to partner with Adam. And whether we married or not, we all created to partner with each other to do the kingdom work. Take territory, work it, and take care of it. 
Patriarchy is our curse, not God's design. Finally, to the man, the ground is cursed. God curses the ground. The earth underneath you is cursed. It will drown in floods and burn in wildfires. Its storms will ravage your cities and drought will turn your lands to dust. All because you're not taking care of the garden called earth. Understand this. The woman is not cursed. The man is not cursed. Adam and Eve are not cursed. Read the word, y'all. Man, you ain't cursed. Woman, you ain't cursed. No matter the tough and painful circumstances of your life, you are not cursed. Brother, you are not cursed. No matter what you've lost, no matter if you've been molested, no matter your rage and confusion and the, the, the harm you've done to yourself, Jesus says, God says, you are not cursed. God didn't curse you. God equipped you. Oh, it's in the book. Look at what God did to Adam and Eve before the Lord pushed them out of the little garden and into the world. Chapter 3, verse 20 and 22. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. Then the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now remember, Adam and Eve had already made some fig leaf fashions for themselves, right? But fig leaf bikinis were not going to be enough for the bigger, tougher world beyond the garden. So God equipped them with clothing they needed to take territory in the world. And God is still equipping us with clothing to take territory in this world. And Ephesians chapter 6 tells us what that clo those clothing are. He calls it the full armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace to ready your feet, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God equipped them, and then God sent them to do what God created them to do, to take territory over the earth, to work it and take care of it, to love God and take care of each other. Oh, Adam and Eve, we made it harder on ourselves. We keep on making it harder on ourselves. We need more than fig leaf faith to survive and overcome the evils of this world. We need full armor faith. So put on your working gear. The earth is the Lord's and all that dwells within. You are made for this. You are equipped for this. So work it and take care of it. And I close with a question for you. And I pray that the answer will encourage your faith as it does mine. When God drove like an eagle stirring the nest, drove the man and the woman, the mother and the father, out of the little garden and out into a challenging and sometimes hostile world. What did God do? 
Did God abandon Eve and Adam and leave them to their fate? Did God return to the perfect holiness of the garden? Where did God go? God went with them. That's the main thing. That's the point, y'all. I'm sorry it took so long to get there, but that's the point. God went with them. That's our story. That is the rest of our human story. In the Bible, that's the rest of our human lived story. God went with them. When Abraham faced armies and Sarah faced barren places, God was with them. When, when, when Hagar and her baby needed an oasis in the wilderness to survive, God was with her. When Isaac needed a ram in the bush to keep from being killed by religion, God was there. When Jacob made a mess of his life and needed an all-night wrestling partner to become father of a nation, God was with him. When Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers, then caught a case and got locked up in prison, God was there. When Moses, the ex-murderer, doubted he had what it took to tell old Pharaoh to let his people go, because he couldn't talk so good. God was there. When the ragtag bunch of refugees from slavery were trapped by the sea in the front and the world's most powerful army in the back, God was there. When the people were facing famine in the wilderness, God was there. When, when Joshua was assigned to lead a new generation to take new territory, God was there. When Gideon, who was a nobody, needed to overcome his fear to become somebody assigned to liberate everybody, God was there. When Deborah faced armies threatening her people's survival, God was there. When Samson needed a clue, God was there. When the widow ran out of oil, God was there. When Elijah was under a broom tree at the point of suicide, God was there. When David needs some mental strengthening in the cave of Abdullah, God was there. Hallelujah. When the three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fiery Babylonian furnace, God was there. When the man was raging and violent from the demons in his head, the demons of his own oppression living in the tombs among the dead, God was there. When the woman was about to be stoned by judgmental religious hypocrites, God was there. When the blind needed sight, the lame needed walk, the demons possessed needed to be cleansed, and Lazarus needed to come up out that tomb, God was there. And somebody needs to know that whatever you're going through, whatever you enter into, God is there. And when the disciples of Jesus, the any disciples of Jesus in the house, followers of Jesus in the house, people walking in the way of Jesus in the house, when they heard from the women disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead 
and they all came together, God was there because they had the same assignment that given to Adam and Eve. Take the world, take the territory, take care of it, care for it. And they heard the living Christ tell them what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go! Tell your brother, sister, go! 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 Listen, 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 listen. God gave them a garden. They messed up the garden. So God gave them a world. You may have messed up your garden. Create you for the garden. God is going to bring you through that thing because God wants to give you a world. So imagine this, here we are in this beautiful edifice, this wonderful little garden in this big world. Here we are, Adams and Eves. Now, we can just be content with work in this little garden. Talking with the serpent in our nice little seats. Because <laughs> I know some of y'all was talking. And I, know, I, I know I overheard some of them conversations in the spirit. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> or we can do what God told our pastor, Dr. Chanel D. Felder, to tell us to do, which is to go and take the world. <laughs> Doors of the church are open. And here, here y'all can stand, we, we, we done, but here's the challenge. Don't be content with the garden. We wouldn't be human without it. We couldn't be fully human in it. We were created for the world. So, on the way out. Now, I know this Labor Day weekend, so this should be easy because you don't even, you, some, for some of y'all, you don't even have to go out to reach folk. They already at your house, or you already at theirs. 
So take a card from the usher on your way out and give it to somebody. And you don't have to be weird and spooky spiritual. You need Jesus or you going to hell. No, relax. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Just say, I'm inviting you to my church and to Jesus. Not necessarily in that order. And have them a card. And you know what? You don't even have to put down your beer to do it. Brother raised his hand. Oh, dog. I, dude was asleep the whole sermon. Raised his hand for now. I'm joking. <laughs> but seriously, y'all, be human. Fully human. Live, minister form. Let's live to the max and do what God called us to do. Can we do that? Grab a card and give it to Can we do that? Amen. Doors of the church are open. Is there anyone here? who is ready, feels the tug of God to give your life to Christ and wants to be a member of this church, of this awesome ministry of, of, of the Lord, please come, please come. Come now. Check with your neighbor. Ask him if they're saved. Which means if they have the covering of a church home, if they have a relationship with God of their own, if not, invite them down and say, this is a good place to be. Ain't the perfect place, but it's a great place. Because we have a pastor that's, that sincerely seeks God's face and wants to push us out from our little gardens. Come on, come on. Thank you for tuning in to our broadcast of New Faith Baptist Church International. If this message has been a blessing to your life, we ask that you please partner with us by sowing a seed of faith so we can continue to extend the body of Christ. Join us as we continue to move forward by faith. Yeah.